Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash fine. Visit IXL.com slash fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com slash fine. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. The following podcast contains barnyard language and some adult content, so maybe use headphones if you're listening at work or around small children. Now, here's the show. Hey, Jolenta. Hey, Kristen. It has been one week since we lived by Girl, Wash Your Face, and you know what that means. It's time for another By the Book mini episode. Woohoo! That's right. It's time for another by the book epilogue. This week, we're looking at the aftermath of living by Girl, Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis. We heard from so many of you. Thank you all for writing in. And let's start with uh, the most important business of all, at least in my in my opinion, which is the future of by the book. A lot of you had a lot of questions and a lot of things to say. So as we mentioned in our last episode, we are going to be with Panoply through January 3rd. And if you want to know what happens after that, you should email us at kristenangelenta at gmail.com and put the words mailing list in the subject line. After that, add us to your safe list or address book so our emails don't end up in your spam box. And we've only sent out one email so far. If you asked to be on our mailing list and did not see that email, go and check your spam folder because it's probably in there. A number of listeners wrote in saying that's where they found our email. All right. So now that we explained how to get on our mailing list and how to get updates, some other business about the future of the show. A lot of you have written and called in with this question. Yes, Lauren and many others wrote in to ask how Cameron is doing and how long he'll be producing the show. Cameron, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks. Good. And 
much like the other announcement about the status of the show, I will be continuing to produce the show through January 3rd. And like everything else, after that date is who knows, right? Well, we're glad you're doing all right. We're glad you still have some means of employment. And we're glad to see your smiling face right now. Yeah, and we're also just really glad because we're selfish and we don't want to ever be without you ever, Cameron. So, yes, very selfishly, we're very happy for ourselves. Oh, also Mari and some other listeners wrote in because they want to know if Cameron is the voice behind our new barnyard language warning at the top of the show. Cameron, is that you? Yeah. Yay, yes. (laughs) Cameron is the voice of our new explicit language warning at the top of the show. So every time you hear that, smile and think of sweet Cameron talking about barnyard language. Thank you, Cameron. You're so welcome. So let's get into some listener mail that's actually about the content of our first episode from this season, which is still about all of the Panoply news. Because in our first episode, Kristen got fired. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Lost my job. I mean, boo. (laughs) (laughs) I think technically it's called laid off. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah, you didn't get, like, fired. Like, there was a layoff. Yes, yes. A mass layoff. So um, I just want to... Thank everybody who wrote and called in about that. For example, Amber wrote, I just want to say thank you to Kristen for all your work at Panoply. I had no idea you were the content manager there. The only reason I discovered Buy the Book was because I was so in love with Panoply's content, and I looked up what they offered and subscribed to a bunch of new Panoply podcasts solely because I felt that they had the best content in the business. I was super bummed to hear that they were ditching their content wing, and especially so now that I know that you, Kristen, lost your position due to the change. Kristen, I just want you to know that your work was so appreciated. I'm sure you'll move on to even better things without them, but the loss stings even from an outsider. Amber, Amber, that is so sweet. That is so incredibly sweet. And um, I promise I'm going to keep on making things. Jolent and I are going to make some really exciting things together. Jolent and I are going to continue to work on our own independent projects. So we're going to keep on churning out great stuff. We promise. Yes, we do promise. Here's another letter from Fiona. She says, Kristen, I cannot even fathom how awful September must have been for you. With Panoply closing its content arm and that awful article by your harasser and its ubiquity, followed by the Kavanaugh debacle. Thank you for keeping going. As a former Houstonian, I feel good knowing that at least your margaritas were probably delicious and strong. You are so powerful. Thanks for being an example of grace for all of us during these awful times. Oh, Fiona, thank you so much. You're right. September sucked. It was absolutely horrible. That article was ubiquitous. Tons of people decided just to forward me that article. Like, look at what he said here about his accusers. Look at what a loser he thinks you are. Look, he wants you to apologize to him. Yeah. It was bleak. Yeah, that was pretty bad. That combined with the, yeah, panoply closing the content arm and the Kavanaugh stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say this, those margaritas were terrific. And (laughs) I bet you ate some, like, mean Tex-Mex. Oh, I did. Remember I had that picture up very briefly on Instagram of my food I was eating and my margarita, and you told me to take it down because it looked too gross? Well, I had to explain you can't Instagram, (laughs) like, half-eaten plates of food with no filter just to say like yummy like it has to look like art <laughs> like I know it was yummy I trust you but well, you don't want to see those mashed up refried it's beans it's just not and- like the proper food Instagram etiquette but I am I was with you like in spirit oh <laughs> uh, well thank you thank you all right well speaking of food and margaritas and so on Krista wrote this 
I just wanted to give Kristen Meinzer a virtual high five for having that second margarita and however many pounds of Mexican food on that shitty day. And for then acknowledging the self-soothing gluttony and the next day grabbing those bootstraps and moving forward. As someone who has been self-employed for over 10 years, that shows you have what it takes to move into self-employment. Some days you'll need that second margarita and you'll need to give yourself permission to have it. But then moving on is a big part of being your own boss. And if I could give one more piece of advice as someone who also works better having structure around my job, when I was working out of my house, I still set working hours when I was at work. I also made a point of getting ready like I was going to work, putting on clothes, doing my hair, and so on, which really helped me in an okay, now I'm at work mentality. Some people can do really well working in PJs, but for me, it didn't work. That is such a good no, tip. It's the best advice. That is so good. I'm gonna do that. Right. Yeah. I know I know a guy who uh, works from home and he he walks to work. He goes outside, walks around the block and comes home oh. every morning to be like, now I'm at work. Oh, that it's is such so a it's such a good smart. practice to just sort of switch gears and not be like, I'm at my breakfast table, like, you know, on Facebook and now I'm gonna write this work email. I at least like I usually change into like my daytime jammies. <laughs> Like, I'll still wear I work from home garbage clothes, but I'll change into cleaner ones that I can also walk the dog in and be seen, you know, maybe at the deli in. Yes. Like, but changing clothes, brushing your teeth, just doing something to sort of shift gears for yourself. So smart. So smart. Thank you, Krista. Yeah. Thank you, everybody who wrote in about my tough month. I really, really appreciate it. But now let's talk about Jolenta's Tough Month. Oh, we got so many letters, people reaching out to support you, to talk about yes. what you're going through with your family, to talk about your great husband. For example, Maggie wrote, I wanted to say, Jolenta Greenberg, that I had a very similar situation a while back where my family was falling apart and turning on each other and it hurt so bad. Then my therapist drew me a picture. Two houses. One house contained the family I grew up with. The second house contained my husband, my cat, and me. The stick figure of me, illustrated with an arrow, was looking, fixated, on the house that I grew up with. She said, you have a family. You're in a family. But you're trying so hard to please the family you had, not the family you're in. Then, in her therapist way, she said, why do you think that is? (laughs) I went home and talked to my husband about making us the center, about changing my focus. We brainstormed new holiday traditions and went shopping for knickknacks and things that would be meaningful for us and the foundation that we are laying down. It was hard because my family I grew up with was everything to me, but it was also empowering and exciting. What would my new family be? What could we build? It's still a journey, but the image really helps me focus on what's next instead of what I've lost. Maggie... That is such good advice. You have a very good therapist. And thank you for sharing that with me. That's like very true. I've been working pretty hard on sort of shifting my focus from like my little three person family I grew up with to be like, oh, right. I am in a family right now. I have a literal husband and uh, (laughs) I live across the country from my parents. Not doesn't mean I don't love them and they're not part of my family, but I have my own immediate family right now that I can be focusing on. And basically, right now, we're just trying to point out things to each other that are our family traditions that we don't even notice, like when we make little inside jokes or how we always do this at the holidays or like, this is our favorite thing to do every Saturday. And we're like, oh, that's a family tradition. Oh, my gosh. Like, we have things that are just ours. And like, you know, if we ever have kids someday, they'll be like, oh, why do we always do this? We'll be like, it's because of this. And it's like, (laughs) oh, like, we 
are already doing it. And it's just a matter of sort of shifting and like reframing your focus to be like, this is my actual family now. And like the life I'm living is what I can be focusing on, not sort of trying to recapture the essence of like what was, which is hard, but it's, it's a fun way to shift focus and not just focus on like the loss. All right. So Maggie, thank you so much for writing in with that. I know that Jolenta got a lot out of it. And I think that it just it's such great advice for all of us, regardless of what family we come from. It's good to know that we can live in the present. And And it it was also just nice seeing on Facebook, like a lot of adults discussing like their parents getting divorced as like adult children, just sort of because I feel like we just don't talk about that much. We talk about the impact on small children and it's a huge impact, but it's like it also sucks being a fully aware adult and watching how stupid your parents can be like during a breakup. They're like worse than my dumbest friends, (laughs) you know, and it's just it's nice to hear other adults talk about it from adult perspective about like how frustrating and and like heartbreaking it can be yeah um but moving on i wanted to touch on a few quick things about my immediate family which is me and brad and uh, joanne wrote to us on twitter to say for the record jolenta you and brad have totally stolen the most uncomfortable to listen to really personal moment on by the book crown from Kristen and dean Kristen, hold on so this is tough because it's like which part of that episode was the most comfortable? You guys getting in it a was really me. horrible fight in the bathroom? Oh, I don't know. I thought it was me ta- making him uncomfortable talking about sex. Oh, I couldn't tell which one it was. Well, so we have two moments that made people uncomfortable, maybe. Oh. How do you feel about us usurping the awkward bathtub crown? Oh, I think it also is the foot scraping crown. Oh, right. I forgot about that one, too. There's a lot. How do you feel? Do you like being the awkward, weird couple? Oh, Dean and I have discussed it. We are taking you guys down. Oh, wow. Just watch out. Oh, okay. There is more awkwardness coming. Just you wait. And if anybody listening wants to revisit those old episodes where we were awkward, the um, foot scraping was over the course of multiple episodes, but the main one was after the nature fix when I broke right. my feet open and got calluses. Ew, ew, ew. Like, it was just really stop bad. talking about your feet. And then the, <laughs> the um, bathtub, bathtub scene, I think was the love five languages. Lo- yeah, five love languages. Yeah. Where there's a lot of other awkwardness in that too, including like conversations about how much Dean needs to manhandle me like 36 hours a day. Yeah. I'm so uncomfortable just remembering. Thank you. All right. Well, on that note, let's take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some cheers for the book, some criticisms of the book, and some criticisms of me and Jolenta. Stay with us. Jolenta, you would never guess what Dean said he wants to buy me for Christmas. What does Dean want to buy you? He told me yesterday that he really wants to get me a Quip toothbrush. And guess what? It's what? very Gift of the Magi. I got him a Quip toothbrush. No. Yes. We both got each other Good Quip toothbrushes. Good thing you guys didn't like sell all your teeth to buy the Quip because that would really so be affordable. the Gift of the Magi. Yes. Yes. But we are so excited about our Quip toothbrushes. They are gentle when they brush your teeth. They get all of those different places in your mouth that are hard to reach with a manual toothbrush. And they're gentle on your sensitive gums. And they have a built-in timer with guiding pulses to remind you when to switch sides. Quip is the ultimate electric toothbrush. Quip is the gift that keeps refreshing with brush heads automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5. And you can even gift prepaid refills for a year to make sure they're never using old, worn-out, or ineffective bristles. I love it. Those bristles are so good to your teeth. My teeth have never felt cleaner than after using a Quip. 
And on top of all of that, it's featured on Oprah's O-List. Oh, so you know it's a good thing. You know it is. Quip has over 5,000 verified five-star reviews and looks like a big-ticket tech gift with a stocking stuffer price starting at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash buy the book, you get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. But you don't have to tell your giftee that. That's your first refill pack free at G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash buy the book. And we are back with our epilogue on Girl, Wash Your Face. All right. Let's start with some listeners who thought the book did us good or maybe did themselves some good. Alexandra wrote saying that she thought the book benefited us both. She says, I'm not sure I would like the book, but the conversations and actions that came from the book in this particular episode were great. I'm thinking particularly about what Brad said to Jolenta about how you have to talk to yourself as though you were a 17-year-old who could use the support. Also, Kristen had such a great attitude about losing her job and pursuing KristenMinzer.com. Kristen is very happy for that promo of her website. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Alexandra continues to say it was refreshing because losing a job can feel like an ultimate defeat. It's the difference between thinking of the situation as self-employment versus unemployment. Ugh. That's really all true. good point. That, Alexandra, that, you're right. Like, you're true. just right. Yes, yes. That's all we have to say. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Correct. Yeah. I may not have loved the experience of reading the book, but I got a lot of good shit done because of it. And I can't deny that. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to Robin here, who said she got something out of the book. She says, I truly loved Girl, Wash Your Face. The book, not our episode. I wanted to share how this book helped me. I have a very difficult situation going on in my life, and I have spent years in silence just suffering and dealing with the emotional pain. This book mentioned numerous times about finding someone to talk to, and I did that. I finally said something for the first time in five years. It brings me to tears, and the coincidence that the person I chose to talk to was related to a therapist who specialized in my particular pain. I am now in therapy and working on me. I don't know the end result of what this will be, but I have been learning about how I am not alone as much as I thought I was. This book helped me to take that step, and I'm grateful for that. You know what? That's amazing. Yeah. Anything that can get you to get the help you need, we're in favor of that. Oh, fully. 100%. And sometimes that's going to come from the cashier at the grocery store. Sometimes it's going to come from your best friend. Sometimes it's going to come from a stranger. But wherever it comes from, including this book, if that's where you got it from, we applaud that. Yeah. You took a really brave step. And I'm so happy. I'm so happy for you. And I hope things are going well. Yes. And Julie wrote us to say, I've read the book and found some of it inspiring. And overall, I think Rachel Hollis has very good intentions. I was truly moved by the chapter about having a baby and appreciated how she spoke about how she had some rage toward her husband after having kids. Anyone who has had kids can relate. And it was honestly comforting to read someone else say it. Mm. Julie, that is such a good thing to point out and Kristen and I have not experienced having a baby and what what that how that changes the dynamic with our husbands and the whole vibe of the relationship and I wonder what it would be like to read it having gone through that if that would sort of stand out and we would be able to to sort of move past some of the things that bothered us more because I bet that is so 
comforting because a lot of people still don't talk about um, the sort of downsides or the negative impacts having a baby can have that, you know, they just sort of go to like, it's magic and glowing Mm -hmm. and like love and light where it must be so refreshing to hear someone be like, yeah, it was fucking difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And I wish more people would talk about that. Yeah. So you're definitely right. Like kudos to Rachel for being honest about that kind of stuff, because I think the more visibility it has, the easier it will be for more women to transition into motherhood without having added guilt of not being like a glowing angel, you know, because they gave birth. You just have to keep the kid alive and keep yourself alive. That's pretty much what she says, right? Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to some folks who had some thoughts about Christianity um, that are pervasive throughout the book. So Mm -hmm. first of all, Sammy wrote in and said, On the subject of girl, wash your face. As a recovering evangelical, the whole concept of assuming that you are already doing things wrong and believing lies totally comes from that culture. I can't even count the number of sermons I've heard on that tone, also focusing on the don't rather than on the positives. I am only now realizing how much this stuff has hurt me. Sammy, a lot of people echoed what you said on yeah, our Facebook community. Yeah, it was really community. interesting. There was a giant thread. I was fascinated. Me too. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting and enlightening because I don't come from an evangelical background. Right. I do come from a Christian background, but it was not evangelical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't come from a religious background at all, really. So it was really interesting hearing a lot of people just sort of chime in on either side of being pro-Christian, pro-evangelical or not, but just being like, yes, this is the language that Rachel Hollis, we are sure, grew up in. So it makes perfect sense that that translates into her writing. And um, it was nice to know where that sort of language came from. Because for me, it was like a bit jarring. Mm -hmm. But I think now having a better perspective of like, it's just what she grew up in. It's how her family probably spoke. You know, her grandpa, she says, was an evangelical minister. Like, Mm -hmm. that's what she was raised on. So it makes sense that that's her voice in her book. Yeah. But, I mean, there were a lot of people writing in about Christianity, but from different perspectives. A few of you wrote in, for example, to express anywhere from irritation to outrage about my particular perspectives on Christianity. Yeah. One of the people who wrote in was Haley, who says, I consider both of you ladies to be compassionate, kind and intentional people. But the way you talk about Christians really bugs me. When you mention anything about someone growing up in a church, holding certain conservative beliefs or what have you, there's almost an implied ugh coming through. It's a tone that I don't sense when you've discussed other belief systems like Wicca or spiritual practices like meditation or tarot card reading. To be fair here, I know you hate meditation, Kristen, but you didn't piss on the ideas for people in general, just yourself. Kristen, you could have easily made your point near the end of the episode by saying something like, I don't really jive with her faith background because that's not my experience. We all believe in what we do because we think it's right. That's the basis of belief. Therefore, I think it's important to use tones of respect when we address the beliefs of others simply for the sake of kindness. After listening to your most recent episode, I felt icky and looked down on for being Christian. Wow. Well, Haley, thank you so much for writing in. We really appreciate your letter. And I'm just going to admit something here, and I'm sure a lot of listeners have noticed this by now. When any self-help author calls on religion to back up the particular rules that they lay out in their books, you're right. I do have a tendency to roll my eyes, whether that religion is source energy in You Are a Badass or the rule of attraction in The Secret or the power of different colored candles and past lives, future healing. Yes, this is something that I do. 
And let me just explain why, though. A lot of these authors are passing judgment on others or on themselves in the name of religion. And I just I find that super problematic. For example, Rachel Hollis says that, quote, good Christian girls like herself don't have sex before marriage. I don't think that's fair to herself or the millions of other good Christian women out there who may have had sex before marriage. I don't like that it's in the book. She also shills a version of Prosperity Ministries that I find super problematic. I've mentioned this on the show before. Right. We talk about this anytime like some sort of secret source energy comes yeah. up, where it's like, it's your fault if bad things are coming to you, and like you just aren't believing hard enough in X, Y, or Z forces. Yeah, or as she puts it on the flip side of that, you know, why is it that she deserves expensive handbags and vacation homes in Hawaii? It's a reward for changing her mindset and living in the right way. And I just I find that very, very problematic. There are a lot of people living their lives in the most honorable way possible Mm -hmm. who are never going to have vacation homes. Some of whom are very good Christians. Yes. 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 I have an uncle who is an evangelical minister. He's a wonderful man. We disagree on some politics, but he's one of the most loving, giving people I know. And instead of being rewarded with like a Louis Vuitton bag or a vacation home, he like has to have back surgery all the time. Like that's not because he's not like believing good things. It's just disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, I do want to apologize to anybody over the course of the show that I have hurt because I don't want to make somebody feel silly or icky for their beliefs. So um, I probably should have led with that. Haley, I'm sorry that I made you feel icky. I did not want you to feel looked down upon for being a Christian. My criticism is not with Christianity. It's with using Christianity the way that authors like Rachel Hollis do. So I'm sorry I didn't lead with that, Haley. I should have said that first and foremost. This isn't about you, I promise. It's about shilling your product with religion. That's what it is. So I hope that all makes sense. I think it does. Thanks. Thanks. (laughs) Okay. Let's change topics entirely, shall we? Yes. Let's Let's, do it. Let's move on to some criticism of the book. Yeah. Here's a great letter from Daisy. Daisy writes, I was really excited to hear about this book because I've been seeing it a lot on Audible and was thinking of listening to it. But when you were detailing the steps about getting to know people who are different from you, I was really rubbed the wrong way about how the author says to acknowledge your white, straight class privilege and to connect with people who can help you put your shame aside. It really made it clear who her target audience was. It's a pretty common theme in self-help books that it's a white person mainly writing for the benefit of white people. And I'm really sick of it. Daisy. Such a good point. Such a good point. And I didn't even think about that, which probably because I'm white and straight and middle class. <laughs> but I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, like that is only for a predominantly white audience where it's like learn other perspectives, like learn what it's like to not be sort of the deferred to norm in society where it's like, oh, so she's clearly only writing to people who are sort of in my situation, isn't she? Mm, That's wow. such a an interesting point about like this industry and this book in particular where it's like so targeted yeah and I think I tried to touch on it a little bit in my verdict but Daisy you put it so much better than I did you really did because it's not just the case of certain privileged white people expecting people of color to educate them Mm -hmm. it's the fact that she just presumes that's her whole audience yeah yeah exactly absolutely moving on Ashley wrote 
There were quite a few things I found problematic and prevented this book from being useful to me. One, her view of health meaning thin and ascribing morality to food choices. She gave an offhand remark about, I know you don't have to be thin to be healthy, but her entire pep talk was about how you're not exercising enough and probably eating too much or eating the wrong things. Ugh. Two, her putting down medication several times. I understand abusing medicine, but she just lumped all medication together. What? No. Medication can be a great tool for some people. Medicating every pain is not the same as abusing alcohol. Stop being a martyr. Take the ibuprofen or the antidepressant. Three, and most of all, her insistence, she'd call it tough love, I call it badgering, that your trauma doesn't get to dictate your life. I can't even begin to rant about that, but I think it's a good for her, not for me kind of thing, and she needs to realize that not every person has the same obsessive drive she does. There is no moral failing if you don't want to be an uber-productive media mogul after you face trauma. Mm. All of those good points. Such good points. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, the sort of like subtle fat shaming just about like we all should be healthy and like healthy equals, you know, societal ideals for women's physicality and yeah. like don't numb your pain slash ever take anything to sort of help you. Yeah. I have to admit that I didn't even notice the medication thing while reading it. I did, but I I'm noticed, hypersensitive. But I it. noticed the weight thing constantly. Oh, to- exactly. Yeah. So yeah. we both have our issues. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Yay. But yeah, and also the trauma stuff sort of made me feel inadequate where she was like, yeah, I like found my brother after he committed suicide and like, I'm not going to let it phase me where I was like, well, I just realized like I was sexually harassed by a teacher and it's like phasing the shit out of me and it's nothing compared to what she went through as far as trauma goes. But like, I feel like I'm super allowed to let it trip me up for a while and, oh and God, like, yeah. you know, reevaluate things and not just something I, I can bulldoze through. But good on her, I guess. Yeah. Everyone's different. <laughs> I'm okay. You're okay. Sort of. Yeah. Um, Aaron wrote, we love this one. You and I love this one. I Ra- mean, yeah. Rachel Hollis is extremely active in promoting multi-level marketing, also known as MLMs, also known as pyramid schemes. Many of the guests on her podcast are MLM figureheads, and she has been the keynote speaker at events for various MLM companies. Girl, Wash Your Face seems like supplemental reading material for someone joining an MLM company who needs to, quote, get in the right mindset. The message is the same. If you don't make enough sales, it's on you. If you change your mentality, you'll be successful at selling things. Mm. That is so interesting. Now I'm more interested in her podcast just because I want to be like, is this all some like sort of MLM kickback like scheme? Like now I'm like, Rachel Hollis, I'm so intrigued by you. Like, what have you got going on with this MLM racket and how are you profiting from it? Yeah. And I mean, full disclosure, Jolenta, you and I are obsessed with the podcast, The Dream. Right. Which is you guys totally. You listen to that. Yes. And, um, it's about MLMs. Yes. Uh, and direct sales and so on. And I did write not one but two major master's theses. Oh my gosh, on, I forgot that. Yeah, one on Tupperware parties and then one on sex toy parties. And so it's an area of extreme interest to me. So I love that Aaron brought this up. And, neither neither and, of us yeah, know about this. No, and also so similar to self-help, MLMs are really targeted at like women 
and and just sort of I feel like they base their message on a lot of the same things, like Aaron said, about, like, you know, pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. Like, it's all about your mentality, and it's all about, like, if you want to do better, like, dream it. Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting, and it makes so much sense at the same time. Aaron, thank you so much for your letter. We really, really appreciate it. We're going to think about it so hard while we take this break. And when we come back from our break, we'll reveal next week's book, plus have a very pressing question from a listener. We are back, and we got this one question that I'm so surprised we didn't address while we were actually living by I the know. book. Yeah. This question is from Divini. Divini? I know we're probably saying your name wrong, and by we, I mean me, but I'm going to say <laughs> we just so I don't feel alone. Um, Divini writes, I have a half-serious, half-joking question for those who have read Girl, Wash Your Face. Is there an explanation in the book of why she is posing beside a leaking fire hydrant on the cover? Such a good question. First thing first, no, this is not addressed in the book, why she's sitting next to a leaking fire hydrant. But I have two theories for you. Let's hear them. Let's hear them. Theory number one, the leaky fire hydrant is supposed to represent the reader. Um, and since the book is all about self-sufficiency and you're supposed to like learn how to turn yourself off and not waste your own water, which I assume in this metaphor, like water equals energy spent like in the wrong places or you know what I mean? Like water is your energy and oh you're leaking. God. You are way smarter than these and book designers. And you have to turn like off your own faucet and not walk <laughs> by the leaking, the leaking hydrant being like, that's someone else's problem. Like you are your problem. You are the hydrant. <laughs> Theory number two, we're just supposed to wash our face in that hydrant water. Because it's a girl, wash your face. And it's like, here, wash it right here in this leaking fire hydrant. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to posit my guess here, which is Mm -hmm. I think that you need to wash your face hard. Wash it seriously. Don't like the water pressure of a fire hydrant. Yes. You can't just splash your face in the sink. You need to sandblast it with a fire hose. Because that's how fucked up you are and how many lies you've been telling yourself. Oh, interesting. It is time to really wash those lies off your face. It's time to get your shit together. Everything that you put on your face is a lie. Or another theory, because Rachel Hollis is all about, like, I'm a mess, you're a mess. Like, she's like, I'm such a mess. This fire hydrant is fucking leaking on me. And I'm not even getting up from being next to it. Or I am such a mess that a regular shower wouldn't work anyway. Interesting. I, I, need, Interesting. I need this fire hydrant, which could actually put out the blazes in a 10-story building. I could think about this for 100 years. <laughs> Um, Davini, thank you so much for your letter. Thank you to everybody who wrote in this week. The responses were amazingly insightful for me and Joe Lenta. Uh, clever, funny, and also just made us think a lot. So thank you, everybody who emailed us at Kristen and Jolenta at gmail.com. And for everybody who chimed in on the Facebook community where there were just a lot of great conversations happening mm-hmm. there. And those conversations are still going if you want to jump in. And now, Jolenta? It's time. It is time. Magic time. It's time to introduce next week's book. Our, Our next, next book, book is A Simple Act of Gratitude, How Learning to Say Thank You Changed My Life by John Kralik. What constitutes a simple act? And uh, are we allowed to make any complex acts? What is an act? 
Is an act something that's fake or is it real? Will we be grateful or do you just have to act grateful? Oh, listen next week to find out. Reminder, you can reach out to us at kristenandjalenta at gmail.com or on Twitter at G at kristenmeinzer, and at bythebookpod. Also follow us on Instagram at bythebookpod. Huge thank you to our producer, Mr. Cameron Drews. You don't even need to wash your face, Cameron. It's perfect. Oh, you're beautiful, Cameron. Thank you for staying with us through January 3rd. We are so grateful for that. Until next time, I am Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jalenta Greenberg. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. And uh, are we allowed to make any complex acts? Oh, by gratitude, do we mean, oh, I, 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 let's see, complex acts. <laughs> where were you going? I, I was, I was going to start using like some of the puns I use all the time uh-huh. where I'm like, nope. when there's major gratitude, I call it gratitude. Nope, nope, <laughs> Not no. allowed. Just Not allowed. cut that. Okay. No. <laughs> Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 